How's everybody doing? Good? My mic's a little echoey, Josh. Um, thanks, man. We love you. Thank you for all you do back there. Running sound, our media team. Yeah, let's just give them a hand. Um, can we also give the worship team a hand? Man. The whole team, Jesse, uh, Laquita, you guys just, man, that was like, that was deep. That was amazing. Um, I'm really thankful for our worship. You know, I, we say this often, but it's, it's not like this everywhere. Like the freedom that we have here in worship, we really, it's, it's a deep, deep place. And so I just, I want us to really see that because what our worship team does, and I think it's so fun too because the message has already been preached this morning. I was already, I've been, I've been on this message for about a month because I didn't get to share it three weeks ago because we had 35 hours of worship and prayer instead. I'll take that instead, yeah. It was what the Lord wanted to do, but now it's like, you know how it is, it's like the longer you sit on something, the more it grows, and pretty soon it goes from 13 pages to 17 pages to 18 pages, and you're like, where do I stop on my notes, right? Just, it's, a, it's a message that is just deep in my heart. Um, we've been talking all morning. We've been singing about remembrance, and guess what? I'm going to provide language for what we just did, and I'm going to provide language for you to take this and have it be a core part of who you are and of what we do, okay? So I want to give just a couple things. One, our vision here at Convergence is to encounter Jesus and transform cities with his power and love. And every Sunday, we step into a moment of just encountering him corporately, which we then take and we encounter him personally throughout the week. We encounter him in our, in our micro churches, which is transitioning to table groups which I'm really excited about, and it's part of the conversation that we've been in. How many of you have been a part of our table series conversation? Yeah? Okay. We're going to continue talking about the table this morning. I do not feel released from the Lord like I'm supposed to stop talking about it. I feel like I'm supposed to continue to talk about that. Um, and I just want to encourage us, we, like, a big part of who we are at Convergence is that we want everyone to grow in Him. We want you to grow in knowing him, walking with him, intimacy, discipleship, and discovering who you are in Jesus. It's a core part of our vision. Like when you look at the initiatives that we rolled out at the end of last year in November, I'm going to read them off, and I want you to see how many of them are already happening, okay? Launching Prophetic Reformers Intensive, Mystics Community, these are things that are already happening. If you were not here for the Prophetic Reformers Intensive, I hate to say this, but you missed out. <laughs> I'm not one of those big FOMO people, but the reality is that, that that was a deep, deep thing that happened during that weekend. And so you want to sign up for the next one. Um, worship in the city, we're expanding it. We're, we're doing Jesus is Healer on March 31st. Really excited. I want every single one of us to be there to fill that park and to go after healing because the Lord is going to heal people. And I'm excited about that. Uh, we're expanding House of Prayer. Um, I'm being told that we're opening up a new set on Thursday soon. And so we'll get you more information about that. But the Lord is expanding our tent during our Thursday House of Prayer. And I'm so thankful for those that serve. 
Randy, just your team, Kelly, Diane, you guys are amazing. They serve faithfully every Thursday, and I'm so thankful for them. Um, we're expanding our capacity to reach the neighborhood. Spanish translation, we have often on Sunday mornings, we have the sermons being translated live in Spanish. Come on, that's amazing. And we're going to lean into that more. And then, of course, table groups. Um, really excited about what the Lord is doing there. And I just want to I wanna just ask us a question, because as we're, as we're in this series on the table, we've had amazing mountaintop experiences. You know what I'm talking about? 35 hours of prayer and worship. The next Sunday, we had a powerful time of repentance and consecration. You were here for that. And I just want to encourage you that when we have mountaintop experiences, to take it to the table. To take it to the table. And so the question I want to ask you when it comes to the table this morning that I want you to ponder, I'm not going to talk about it this morning, but I want you to ask yourself the question, who are you walking on the road with? On the road to Emmaus, they were walking together. So who are you walking on the road in discipleship with? And if you're not walking with anyone, that's a problem. Because we don't want, we do not believe in isolation. Isolation is from the enemy. The enemy likes to isolate you. So walk in accountability, in the light. Walk on the road with someone in discipleship. Cool? All right. Hey, I'm going to dive in. I want to go ahead and encourage you. Again, I do this every Sunday now, it feels like, but at 12, 12, 10, just go ahead and bring your kids back into the service. Um, I'm going to unload as much of this message as possible, partly because we're about to have a baby. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. 37 weeks. So, again, if I'm not here next Sunday, I'm supposed to be preaching next Sunday. Which is why I got to unload this now, because, right? Come on, it's so good. This is a miracle, miracle child. Um, and I, I'm just super grateful. Well, hey, um, this morning I'm going to unpack the Lord's table, okay? The Lord's table. If you're like, what is the Lord's table? It is the Lord's Supper or Communion, right? So that's why we have these on every chair. If you've been here for any Honestly, since the beginning of the year, we've been doing this every single Sunday. We've been doing it in staff meetings oftentimes. I've been encouraging people to do it on their own. Um, and what I want to do this morning is I want to take this from just a nice grape juice wafer moment on a Sunday, and I want you to understand what you're, what you're actually doing. Because it's way more than just this. Amen. Yeah, it's far more powerful than just this. So we're going to receive communion at the end so you can hold on to this. Um, if you have your Bible, and you should have your Bible, because we're at church, go to 1 Corinthians 11. We're going to start in verse 23. Lord, we just thank you for this time. I ask you that you would reveal yourself as we, as we bring out the Lord's Supper, Lord, what you have provided. And I ask you that you would just release that into the room this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Oh, thank you. We got it up on the screen. How cool is that? All right. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in 
remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's so good, isn't it? All right, we're going to unpack that, but for just a second, I want to go back to 1 Corinthians 10, because it's where we get the Lord's table, okay? So 1 Corinthians 10, verse 21 says this, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Anybody like, whoa, this is already kind of offensive, like what's happening here, okay? If you look back at verse 16, Paul says, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? So he's talking there about the Lord's Supper. And then he begins to talk about the Lord's table. And what Paul is doing is he's contrasting two tables. You have the table of the Lord and you have the table of the enemy or the table of demons. Okay, I want you to listen to this quote by William Tyndale about this particular passage. He says this, there is no room for compromise. The Lord's table reminds us that the Lord is the host at the sacrament. By parity of reasoning, the table of demons indicates that there may be other hosts. What table are you sitting at and who is your host? Who is the host? And Paul will go on here. By the way, we aren't called to fellowship with demons, but to cast them out. That's just a side note there. Paul is saying that communion in one aspect is a feeding at the table of the Lord and enjoyment of fellowship with him. But then participation in an idol feast means having fellowship with demons. And then he goes on in verse 23 to say this, all things are permitted, but not all things are a benefit. All things are permitted, but not all things build people up. That's verse 23. So, okay, so what's he saying, right? This is a lot, okay? I, I can't stay here for a long time, so I'm just going to summarize it for you, okay? The table that you sit at is very important. Who is hosting the table that you're sitting at? Are, you, are we at the Lord's, right? Are we, are we choosing to be at the Lord's table? Are we choosing to participate in that? Or are we choosing to participate in other things that do not bring us benefit? How many know that we have free will? I can choose to do whatever I want. I can leave this room this morning and I can go wherever I want. I can drive wherever I want. I can eat whatever I want. I can go watch whatever I want. I can get on social media for hours if I want. I can do the things that I want to do because we're not robots. The Lord gave us free will so that we could choose. Right? So what's Paul saying in verse 23? He's saying, hey, guess what? All things are permitted. All things are available to you. But not all things are beneficial. All things are permitted, but not all things build people up. So listen, liberty is important, free will is important, but just because something is permitted doesn't make it good. 
Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Amen. Right? And so the reality is, is he's talking about you have a choice what table you eat from. And we could eat from a whole bunch of different tables. And you know what? Honestly, culturally, we eat from a lot of different tables. We are feeding on so much content these days that my mind just explodes half the time. Because I'm like, I don't even know how to retain this much knowledge. I don't even know how to retain all these things. And the reality is that we have so many things. And, the, and, and Paul's like, hey, you can do all of that stuff. And you can spend your life doing all that. But is it benefiting you? Is it building you up? And if it's not, it might be that you're being hosted by another table. It might be that you're sitting at a table with another host, and that host is Netflix. Uh-oh. I might step on toes this morning. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. All right. So that's where we get the Lord's table, okay? So we have the contrasting of two, two tables. Now I want to go back to 1 Corinthians 11. The Lord's Supper was instituted. How many remember when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper? Matthew 26, Matthew 26, 26. Jesus begins to share with the disciples. They are sharing what, what meal? Passover, yes? So this is Passover. And Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper. And what he's doing is, is he's having a traditional Passover Seder. However, Jesus is giving this entire, he, he's giving this new meaning, yes? So Matthew 26, 26. Let's just read that real quick. It says this. While they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. And of course, the Passover, I'm going to summarize this quickly because of time, but the Passover comes from Exodus 12. Do we remember the story in Exodus 12? Okay, that wasn't convincing. All right. Go to Exodus 12. <sighs> that was not convincing. I was like, yes. You know, there were a few yeses. So now we got to do it. Exodus 12. We can't leave it there. Better start in Genesis, Wesley says. We can't. We don't have time to do that. That's brilliant, but no. Love that. All right. Let's start... All right, so what's happening here? They're giving commands here for the Passover. They're talking about having an unblemished lamb. Keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Verse 6, moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And then he gives more instruction. And then I want you to go down here to verse 12. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. 
I will execute judgment because I am the Lord. Verse 13, the blood. Someone say the blood. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Okay, so we know what's happening. God is going to strike the land of Egypt. He's going to kill the firstborn because of the disobedience of Pharaoh. Yes? Okay, so this is all happening to free the Israelites. And the Israelites are in their houses. They're having uh, the, the Passover Seder, they're called to put the blood of an unblemished lamb. Who's our unblemished lamb? Jesus. He's, they're, they're putting the blood above the doorposts. And here's the amazing thing about that is, is it doesn't matter what they think. Because it says this, it says, when I see the blood. When he sees the blood. When he sees the blood, some of the Israelites might have thought, this is a kooky idea, but all right, you know, who cares? It's, it's the obedience, and then, and then the Lord honors that, and he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over, and no death will befall you because of the blood. All right, we're all on, on the same page. So he infused this meal with new significance. And so as the Passover meal served as the foundational meal of the Old Covenant, taking place on the brink of the foundational saving act of God, so the Lord's Supper was and is the foundational meal of the New Covenant. We're going to see that more in a minute. All right, so the Lord's Supper was instituted by Jesus to commemorate his death to symbolize the new covenant, to point to fellowship of a redeemed people gathered at his table, and to anticipate the messianic banquet to come. So listen, how many have grown up in church your whole life? Oh, wow, a lot of you in the room. Okay, awesome. So maybe you can identify with my story. Okay, I'm a pastor's kid. I love the church, grown up in church my whole life, and I've grown up doing this my whole life, too, as a believer, since I met the Lord when I was five years old, okay? Communion was a key part of what church looked like. And I would always take communion, and to be honest, I didn't really know what I was doing. And that's great, because I don't have to have, I don't necessarily have to know what I'm doing all the time. I just get to take it and receive it. But the, the older I got, the more I was sort of like, man, this is just, it's just good grape juice in a wafer, you know? Actually, it's not even that good grape juice, but... <laughs> right? Especially these. These are what I'm talking about. Um, and so it's kind of like, what, like why, why am I doing this? And then sometimes we even get into the thing of like, well, this is just something I do, and I'm just going to drink it and do it, and I don't really know why I'm doing it or what the significance of it, but I'm going to do it because everyone else is doing it. Cool. And it becomes more of a religious activity. And I, I ended up beginning to approach this meal more like just something else we do on a Sunday. Like, cool, yay, we're going to do this today. Yay, communion. I get kind of extra grape juice today. And I lost the importance of it. I lost the significance of it. 
And I think sometimes we have treated the Lord's table as more of a ritual. It's just, a, it's sort of just a sacrament. It's kind of just something we do, and sometimes we do it on special Sundays, and it's kind of like this big thing, yay, it's communion Sunday, you know? And I think when we do that, when we treat it as just a ritual, we're actually neutering the power that is in it by making it just another thing that we do. This is not a, just a good religious exercise. It is you literally proclaiming who you are in Christ. What he has done transforms not just your past, but your present and your future. What he has done has transformed you, is transforming you, and will transform you. So this is a, I am transformed, I'm being transformed, and I will be transformed. All by what he did. And I think the Lord wants to give us a picture of that this morning. Every time you approach the Lord's table, we do so from a place of humility, thanksgiving, and a tender heart that says, I want to go deeper. I want to understand the impact that his body broken for us and his blood spilled out means for me today and tomorrow. I want you to find purpose in this this morning. I want you to find your identity in this this morning. All right, so let's go back to 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took the bread when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Okay, I want us to stop. Okay? What was the very first phrase that we read? What does Paul say in, in verse 23? What's the very first line? For I received. Okay, stop. Why is that important? Anybody have a thought? What's the difference between taking something and receiving something? It's given to you. So do we take communion? No. All these years, I thought I was taking something. I thought I was having to take it. Like I'm having to take it. And Paul says, no, for I received from the Lord. What's the difference between taking and receiving? It's the difference between you having control over it or not. It's the difference between you taking it with your parameters instead of just being able to receive what he's done. Oh. Paul doesn't say to take communion. He says to receive it. Receiving means it's given. Taking means I have the ability. Receiving means my ability does nothing because it's a gift. It's his to give, not mine to take. It's not my blood, and it's not my body. So it's not mine to take, it's mine to receive. It's his to give, and he already gave it. But sometimes we get in take mode, we get in strive mode, we get in, in this mode where we're trying to take it. And when we take it, a lot of times we put parameters on it. We're like, well, I, I just didn't have a good day yesterday, so I'm, I don't, I'm not going to take that. And the Lord's like, no, 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 no. That, that's not how this works. You receive it. Who cares how you came in yesterday? 
for I received from the Lord. All right, we can't camp there too long. We receive what he has already done, which then transforms your current reality. All right, this is my body. So we're going to talk about the body. Okay, how is his body for us? It's a lot of different things that I want to dive into here, but I'm going to skip some of my notes. And I want to go to Isaiah 53. So if you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah 53. We're going to talk about the body. All right, Isaiah 53, verse 4 says this Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken smitten of God and afflicted, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So Isaiah is giving us a prophetic picture of what Jesus' body would go through on the cross, yes? And I love seeing how the Old Testament reveals the new. I love that. So what did his body go through? Look at this. It says that he was pierced. Another translation says that he was pierced for your offenses. By his wounds we are healed. This is really significant. So when I am receiving his body, what am I receiving? I'm receiving healing. I'm receiving forgiveness from my offenses. I'm receiving something that, to be honest, I should have gotten punishment for in some ways. I'm receiving his mercy. I'm receiving forgiveness. I'm receiving healing spiritually and I believe also physically. Jesus' body went through 39 lashes so that you could be whole, so that you could live in wholeness. And actually, the 40th lash usually would be death. So you actually, in this case, you actually wanted to receive 40 lashes so you wouldn't have to endure the pain. They gave him 39 because they wanted to inflict more pain. Crown of thorns, a spear piercing his side, agony, exhaustion, taunting. His body endured what nobody should ever have to endure in order that all of our wrongdoings would fall on him. Paul says it this way, I'm always carrying around in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So his body broken, bruised, and the agony of it all actually gives you healing and wholeness. So when you partake of this, when you receive this, you're receiving freedom from offense, you're receiving help and healing from pain, you're receiving spiritual and physical healing. And no, it doesn't, sometimes we're like, but the healing didn't happen immediately when we took it. We'll keep taking it. Keep standing in a place of receiving what he's done.
because we have a high priest that has been through everything we could possibly go through, he has experienced the worst pain with the greatest moment of agony being the cross so that we can place our greatest pain in his hands through what his body went through for us. That Hebrew word for healed there, where it says, by his wounds we are healed, it means both spiritual and physical. The context of Isaiah 53 is more spiritual healing. But the reality is that life is found in his flesh. I don't have time to unpack this this morning, but if you want to unpack it for yourself, go to John 6 and unpack this. But it's where Jesus is literally telling, he's telling the Jews who are offended at him, he's saying, I am life. Verse 55 in John 6, if you want to explore it, says this, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And the Jews are offended because in the law of Moses in Leviticus 17, they were commanded not to drink blood. And so they're, they're all like, whoa, Jesus, come on now. And Jesus is not saying to literally drink blood. He's saying, believe in me, see me. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He goes on to talk about how life is found in his body and in his blood. It's literally life. Leviticus 17 also says this. It says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh. What does John 1 say? It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the life of the blood is in the flesh, meaning his body and his blood even now speaks a better word because it's life, it's living, it's active. It's life for me now, just like it was life for me then, just like it's life for me in the future. It is life. His flesh is true life. His body is true food. So this is a statement that I want to just proclaim this morning. I receive life. I receive the fact that there is no other source of true life than through his body. I receive his body at this table, at the Lord's table, because of what he went through. My body can be made whole. And so because of that, I receive healing. Some of you, you need to be treating this more like that. It's not just a good, yay, the wafer tastes good. No, 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 no. I receive healing because his life is in the flesh. Because what he went through, being pierced for my transgressions, having a crown of thorns, 39 lashes, enduring emotional abuse, emotional pain. Why did he do it? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured it so that you could walk in wholeness. So this isn't just a good meal. This is healing for your body, for your mind, for your heart, it is true food. It's true food. And there's nothing like it. All right, let's, let's, let's talk about the blood. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. What does his blood represent?
new covenant. When Jesus died and his blood was shed, then it represented the new covenant, not a partial work, but in the words of Jesus, it is finished. Hebrews 9 verse 13 says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more? Someone say, how much? How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Cleanse your conscience. Think about this. What happens when you, when you, when you're like, oh, something's up. Like my conscience, I just don't feel right. What, what should you do? Approach the Lord's table. Uh, when you receive this meal, it has the transforming power to make a proclamation that what he has done has cleansed you and is cleansing you, and will cleanse you, all by the blood. What's the new covenant? He made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses. That's Colossians 2.13. So what Paul is saying here is stop looking at the dead things that are already forgiven. Oh, man. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we don't need to look at dead things. We need to look through the lens of I'm forgiven. Why? Not because I've done anything. Not because I'm taking forgiveness, but because I received from the Lord that which he gave to me, that on the night that he was betrayed, we receive the new covenant. We don't take it. So you receive his forgiveness. Is this landing? His blood once and for all canceled out the certificate of debt against you, including every decree made against you. Every decree made against you. That's Colossians 2.14. That's not my words. It's his words. What does that mean? How do you battle? This is how I fight my battles. How do you battle? The blood. You go to war, not with your own idea, not with your own blood, but with his blood. You go to battle with his body and his blood because of what he's already done, which means there's something that he is doing because it speaks a better word and which means that he will do. So you go to battle with the blood. So when we approach this, this isn't just like a, yay, I receive, all right, drink the blood, woo. My life changes when I do this. It's transforming me. It's revealing him to me in a deeper way. All right, we need, we need, to, we need to get a little further here. Hebrews 11, that's where it says, Hebrews 11:4 talks about the blood speaking a better word than the blood of Abel. Yes? Okay, we all know that. Meaning what? The sacrifice of Jesus was far better than Abel's offering. The writer of Hebrews is saying, how much more does the blood of God speak even now? How much more does the blood of Jesus speak even now? 
All right, so what does the blood speak? It speaks his blood protects. That comes from Exodus 12. We are reconciled by the blood. That's Colossians 1. You are justified by his blood. That's Romans 5. Forgiveness from sins is through his blood. That's Ephesians 1. His blood says you are no longer under the curse of the law. That's Galatians 3. You are confident because of the blood. That's Hebrews 10. His blood redeems us. It brings us near. It cleanses us. And it allows us to overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. So what statement are we saying when we come to the table? I'm going to read it to you. My sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I have been made righteous by his blood. I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I have no veil or separation between myself and Jesus because his blood has brought me near. I have protection and covering because of his blood. I overcome the enemy and evil by his blood. I am confident because of his blood. This is what he has done, and so by faith I receive it. That's the statement that we're making. And I love that Paul says in verse 26, he says, for as often as you eat it. How often is is for as often? That's pretty often, isn't it? So I don't know if you grew up in in an environment where maybe this was only something that you did on very special occasions. This was like something that was like maybe like a once a monther or maybe it was even more than that. Maybe it was less than that. Whatever that looks like, different religious traditions, right? It's, there, there's, it's kind of like, well, we, only have, we can only take it like so often. But I think if we take Paul at his word, I think for as often means as often. What does that mean? It means don't put a cap on it. Are you struggling? Take communion. Take it five times a day. Take it ten times a day. Take it every week. Take it every month. Take it whatever it looks like to you, but let's do this as often. For as often means as often. That means as much as I desire, I can take and partake of the Lord's table. I can sit at the Lord's table, not just one time on a Sunday, but every single day because it says for as often. Okay? I believe Paul is saying that there is no limit to the amount of times that you can receive this meal. Amen. All right. Now let's discuss the elephant in the room. Okay. Verse 27. Okay, you guys know me. I don't shy away from difficult scripture. For as, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, we need a little bit of help here, don't we? Because taking that at face value is a little, kind of hits a little hard, doesn't it? All right. So what does Paul mean by unworthy? When I looked that up in the Greek, the Strong's Greek Dictionary, which I encourage everyone to do, by the way, um, the Bible wasn't written in English originally, okay? I know we know that, but... That means that when something is translated, we also still should go and look at the root words. Okay, so that Greek word, the first word mentioned in the Greek Strong's Dictionary is not unworthy. 
I love the folks at NASB Bible translation, but I would have translated this differently. I would have said irreverent, which is actually the first word listed. What's the difference between irreverence and unworthiness? Unworthiness means I'm not worthy to approach the table. Irreverent means I'm, not appro- I'm approaching the table lightly and not taking it for the, for the fear of the Lord that it is every time I come. Irreverent means showing a lack of respect. What's that mean? It means not taking something seriously. If you drink the cup of the Lord in a manner that's not taking it seriously, it means that, hey, you're, you're making a decision like we already talked about, right? And so Paul here is noticing that something is happening in the Corinthian church. They are not taking the Lord's Supper seriously. Okay, let's go on. But a man must examine himself, verse 28, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Verse 30, for this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. When the Bible says sleep, what is it referring to in this case? Death. Okay. All right. But a man must examine himself. Now, this feels very introspective, yes? It's like, okay, am I worthy to approach the table? I have to do this, like, cross-examination, you know? Like, every Sunday or every time I approach the Lord's table, I cross-examine myself to make sure that I'm worthy to approach it. And I think sometimes this is how this text gets read, and it... And it gets read in a way where you actually don't want to approach the table because you're afraid of the table. You're like, oh, hold on. I got to make sure I got all my ducks in a row before I do this. Because uh, it says that I have to examine and then I'm unworthy. What Paul is saying here, again, I believe is irreverent. The Corinthian church was not taking this seriously. And so when he says examine, Paul in another passage in 2 Corinthians says examine in the faith. So he's saying examine in faith. So what I'm examining is not all my filth. I'm examining from a place of I am going to step into faith in this. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. What are we talking about? We're talking about eating and drinking. And in 1 Corinthians 10, what we just read earlier, Paul actually goes on in that passage to talk about not eating things sacrificed to idols. He's talking about the fact that you can do all things are permitted and you can eat anything you want, but not everything is going is to satisfy you. Not everything's going to be good. And so when we read this, he who eats and drinks drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. That word in the Greek for body actually means your body. So if you just eat and drink whatever you want, you actually can eat and drink judgment on your actual body. For this reason, many among you are weak, sick, and a number sleep. What's the body that we should be partaking of, right? Receiving his body. And so the prescription for verse 30 is this meal. 
For, for this reason, many among you are weak, sick, and a number sleep because you're not judging the body rightly. Because you are doing things that are actually harming you when what you need to be doing is taking it seriously. Meaning, approach it with reverence that this thing right here can, can, can wipe away the weak, sick, and dying by his blood. Does this make sense? So examining ourselves means we approach it from a place of respect, honor, and power, believing and remembering what he has done. And I think what came to mind when I was talking about this was something that Emily and I do with, with Adeline. We read in this book that there's a difference between time out and time in. And I'm not here to provide parenting advice, so please, you know, if you want to do what I do, that's fine, but I'm not, I'm just telling you what I do. Cool? It's what we do. Instead of giving our daughter time out, we give our, our daughter time in. And the difference is, is instead of saying, go examine yourself introspectively, isolate yourself in your room, and figure it out, and when you're, when you're good, come out, we say, no, 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 we're going to do this in the light, so we're actually going to do time in, which means let's talk, let's communicate, let's talk this out. Let's, let's approach the table together, not apart. And many times when we read that unworthy manner, it gets looked at as go figure it out. Go in time out. And then when you feel good enough to take communion, it's time back in. And we approach the table from a place of first saying, hold on, time out. Let me just, okay, yesterday, okay, um, looked at something I shouldn't, okay, but, okay, ah. Uh, not feeling communion today. When what Paul is saying is you take it seriously, which actually means this. It means that you're actually, you're, you're unworthy and it's the table that makes you worthy. So it's not saying take a time out and then when, it, when you've got your life together and you've got it figured out, then take a time in and come. It's saying you're only worthy because of the Lord's table. So it's not time out. Go isolate yourself. It's time in. Come to the table. Approach the Lord's table. Receive my body. Receive my blood. And don't, don't go try to figure it out on yourself. Approach it not from a light place, but a place of the fact that this has the power to transform, cleanse, wash, free. And so what you did yesterday, there's no way you can earn a seat. There's no way that you could be worthy enough, which is why he's the one that makes you worthy. Does this make sense? It's time in, everyone. You're not on time out. Come to the table. And instead of feeling guilty, shameful, or condemned, come receive what he paid for that washes you clean. The enemy wants you to shy away from this. He wants you to feel guilty to the point that you don't want to come to church, you don't want community, you don't want to approach his table because he wants you in time out. And the Holy Spirit inside of you is saying, it's time in. If there's anything that you need when you are struggling, it's not time out, it's time in. 
You need to come to the table and find forgiveness, mercy, grace in time of need. It's kindness that leads you to repentance. And you approach the body and the blood from that place. We're not on timeout. It's time to get things set. It's time to be free. And the enemy says, hide so that you won't be free. And God says, time in. Freedom. So what's Paul saying? Summarize. Don't minimize this. Don't minimize it. Don't make it a grape juice wafer meal. Don't make it a, a thing that we just do on Sundays. It's kind of a cute little sacrament. Yay. There's someone up there quoting 1 Corinthians 11 again. Why are we doing that again? Don't minimize the power found in this meal. We have to see this. Don't make it a religious activity that then loses its ability to mark your life every time you receive it. When Paul says unworthy, it's irreverent. It's the fear of the Lord. I approach this with the fear of the Lord knowing that every time I come to his table, I get to receive what he's done. But if I treat it lightly... Then I begin in to get into myself. I begin to eat and drink of whatever I want. And I'm not judging the body rightly because I'm, I'm not taking it seriously enough to know this is where I need to get nourishment for my body from. We have to see the table of the Lord as a power-defining, life-altering, transformative meal that we don't prepare, but he does and we receive it. Your identity is found through this meal. Your identity is rooted in his body and his blood. It's literally our life source. You need to see it as your life source. Life is here. You need to see your life with his life as you receive it. What does it say in Galatians? It says, we have been crucified with Christ. It is I that no longer live. But what? Christ in me. So what happens at this meal? There's an exchange. There's a thing that happens where you're like, I have been crucified with Christ. And I approach this knowing that actually it's Christ living in me. The more I see my life through his body and his blood, the more I will see transformation, peace, joy, fulfillment, healing, etc. Hebrews 12.3 says, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Yesterday we were doing a lot of cleaning in our house. Again, we're preparing to have a baby, okay? <laughs> lots of things going on. Lots of projects going on at my house. And I was, please bring your kids back into service, by the way. Um, I was looking at my car and I don't know if you're like me, but you start to look at your car and you're like, yep, time for a car wash. Yeah? No? Is that just me? Okay. And so I was like, I need to get my car washed, which is super practical, right? I need to get my car washed. And, and the minute that I thought it, the Lord took it from just a practical thought to a spiritual thought. And so I was thinking about this and I started thinking about this meal being like a car wash for my heart, my mind, and my soul. 
And I thought to myself, my temple needs a wash sometimes. And I was meditating on the fact that it sometimes feels, is, is anybody else like this? Like the minute you get a car wash, your car's not clean? It's like you're rolling out of the car wash place and you're like, oh, there's dirt, there's dirt, there's dirt. It's like your car's not clean, right? And as I was meditating on that, the Holy Spirit just dropped this thing. And he said, that is the same thing. That's like when you run to other things, attempting to get a car wash, only to come out with a car that isn't really clean. That's like attempting to get a car wash only for the car to come out not really clean. What's my point, okay? Some of you are like, where's this going? When you run to Netflix, social media, binge eating, pornography, smoking, drugs, alcohol, you name it, those things are like a car wash that never gets your car clean. Why is it a car wash? Because those things, it's, it's that thing that's like we're looking for that high. We're looking for that thing that we can numb out on. We're looking for that thing that we can, we can kind of get away from what's really going on in, in here. And so we're like, okay, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to watch this for seven hours. And I'm going to go eat a lot of this. Or I'm going to go to pornography because in the moment, it's going to give me that escape that I need. It's going to give me that thing that I need only to realize that you feel emptier afterwards. It's like a car wash when the car never gets clean. And you keep running through the same car wash and you're like, why is it that I cannot get clean? Why am I not getting healing? Why am I not finding freedom? Because you're still going to a car wash that isn't going to get your car clean when you need to be coming to the table. It's this thing about self-care. We think that we need these things, but they don't actually care about you. So you come away after a moment and you feel dirty. The temptation sucks you in that this thing will take away from the reality that you may not want to face or it will give you the hit of desire or fulfillment. But what you need to do is remember what he has done. You need to come to the Lord's table and receive his body and his blood that was provided for you so that you can walk in righteousness, so that you can be free, so that you can find fulfillment in the only thing that satisfies, which is the life found in the flesh. Can we stand? I'm going to go ahead and land the plane here. This morning, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. We're going to receive the Lord's Supper. In verse 26, Paul says, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So the response is also, we don't keep this to ourselves, we proclaim it. We proclaim it from the mountaintops. We proclaim it at the table. We proclaim it. So our role as we come to the table is to proclaim this message until he comes. And I want you to see yourself this morning. And I want you to see his body and his blood and what it has done for you and what it is doing and what it will do. 
Okay, so just just to recap really quickly, what does his body do for you? When we're saying, hey, it's it's the body, it's the fact that, that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded so that we could be healed. The life is found in the body. His body gives us freedom from offenses. If there's an offense this morning, you need to see his body and his blood as washing you with his forgiveness. It's spiritual healing. It's places where we felt tormented. But it's also physical healing. If you need physical healing in your body, this is This is a moment to declare, I am healed. I step into healing through the fact that Jesus' body was pierced so that mine could be whole. So this morning, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your body that was broken for us. We take a moment and we remember what you did. We remember what you did. We remember the pain and the agony that you went through so that we wouldn't have to. And right now, I just, if you need healing in your body, I want you right now to think whatever that is, whatever that thing is, and I want you to have it on the forefront of your mind. And I want you, as you partake of this, I want you to declare, my body is whole and healed. Whatever that is, if it's back, if it's knee, if it's cancer, I'm just telling you that his body is enough. So Lord, we step into that this morning, Lord, the healing and life that is found in the blood. And I ask that as we partake of your body, as we receive what you did, Lord, that you are then saying, you have life. Let's go ahead and take and eat. In his blood, I want. Wesley, can you come share that word real quick? And actually, Jesse, can you come share the word you had? time I want them to share real quick before we partake of this because I think the Lord is going to free some people this morning um, yesterday night just praying and just about to go to sleep um, and he showed me this picture of like just him walking like through the church um, and he had like a bunch of keys and like for each person he'd walk he would unlock their chains and they'd fall and they would be so happy they'd be like I'm free I'm free I'm free and then they would grab them and walk out with them and I was just so like Lord like why do we keep returning to to the chains that you've broken off So that's what I saw. It 
just started praying because I knew like where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And the freedom that we experience is real. And we don't have to go back to those chains. We don't have to pick them up and take them with us because we're free of them. Because he freed us once and for all. It's a finished work. He already did it. He already purchased it. He already purchased your freedom on the cross. So you don't, you can leave your chains. You can leave them and you can walk away. You don't have to pick them back up because it's not who you are anymore. You are free. You are free indeed. And your freedom is real. And you are whole and you are free. And you don't, those change aren't who you are anymore. So that's what I saw. <laughs> yeah, that's super good. And during worship, as we were singing about searching and searching and seeing the Lord, I felt like there was, I felt there was specifically one person, but there might be more than one in the room who had been searching. You've searched the high heavens, you've searched the depths. You've searched the east and the west and the north, and you, you've been searching. And it, maybe you've known the Lord in your past, maybe you haven't, but I felt like today it was time, it was like you found him. And that even as we're doing this, it's like you're coming to the table, it's like you're coming home. And Dave had a, a picture during worship also of Jesus reaching down, that there's someone that's like stuck under ice and they're drowning and the hand of the Lord comes down and reaches down and it melts the ice. And so if that's you, I don't know. <laughs> if that's you, this is your time. Like the, this is real. Like this is so real. And if, if you don't know the Lord, you can come up to the front. I would love to talk with you and pray for you. If you've if you've walked away from the Lord and you're here today and you're like, I'm coming home, it's time to come home. It's time to come back to the table. It's time to come back to the table. There's no shame in it. There's an open seat for you. We've been waiting. <laughs> He's been waiting for you. So as we take this today, if that's you, I want to just invite you to come up to the front. Yeah. Um, you can come up. I don't know if we're doing ministry teams or what, but you can come talk to me. I don't really know what that looks like, but let's take the blood. <laughs> yeah, so if you, if that resonates with you, you can just come to the front. We're just going to take this. us. We're reconciled by the blood. We're justified by the blood. We're forgiven by the blood. We're confident because of the blood. We're redeemed because of the blood. We're brought near because of the blood. We're cleansed because of the blood. And we overcome because of his blood. So this morning, there is no mountain that is too high to overcome right now. There is no obstacle too far to overcome. And there's forgiveness found in his blood. If there's been any shame, any condemnation that you've felt in your life, he 
either by the enemy or by words that others have spoken right now, I want you to see yourself as forgiven. I want you to see yourself as cleansed. I want you to see your mind renewed. So Lord, we thank you for the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's nothing like your blood, Lord. So we step in and we receive your blood right now. And I just want to make this statement. I want you to declare this after me. I have been made righteous by his blood. I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I have no veil or separation between myself and Jesus because his blood has brought me near. I am justified, redeemed, and reconciled by his blood. I have protection and covering because of his blood. I overcome the enemy and evil by his blood. I am confident because of his blood. I receive what he has done and I receive it by faith. You can take. Thank you for your blood, Lord. And I just want to encourage you, when you declared that statement, don't let that just be a good Sunday morning declaration. Continue to walk in that. So, Lord, we thank you for what you've done this morning, Lord. And I do ask you that any chains, Lord, that, that there's freedom, not just a key that opens a lock and then we feel like the lock comes back on, but it's a lock that's not locked anymore. Because your blood and your body was provided not so that we could have to go from a key unlocking to a key unlocking to a key unlocking but so that we could see that lock as not ever locked. Because the chains are not locked. Any chains that we see, Lord, we ask you right now, just remove any chains. We receive what you've done, what you've provided. 